Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <gasps> Scooby. I'm Scooby doing you. Shaggy? Do Shaggy's voice. I can't really do Shaggy, but he said Zoiks a lot. Zoiks? Wait, Velma? Daphne, and then who's that wide-shouldered man in the white with the cravat? Fred. <laughs> what a masculine sort of triangular chesticle he, he had. He, he was very much the Matson of the bunch. Well, he was no true Matson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Friday Sprinkles. We've recovered from the week of your birthday. And we've got your birthday coming up. Mm-hmm. 2nd of May. Mm-hmm. Now, I sent you a screen grab of this Instagram account, Succession Fashion, that I follow. And they've sourced everything Matson wore in this episode, Kill List. Would you like me to do some Matson cosplay for you on your birthday? Okay, so obviously you're joking. Me with a hood up, oh. flashing my belly. Yes, please. Um, our son is into Doctor Who, and because of that, at the age of 49, I went to a couple of these Comic-Con-type things for the first time in my life over the past year. And people can be sniffy about it, but I, I think it's no different to anything else. No, w- what do you mean, no different? You're saying that going to Comic-Con is the same as if you go to the Tate? No, what I'm saying is, if I go to get the London Underground, and I see all these Tottenham Hotspur fans coming out, uh-huh. with the, you call it the uniform, I think they call it the kit, that to me is no different to some dressing up as a Dalek. It's just all the same thing. I agree with that. But but I- but, but, but society judges it differently. Yes. Anyway, but the, the point I wanted to make with regards to me and Matson cosplay, uh, something I have observed is you will see a type of person at these Comic Cons who often fits the archetype. Uh-huh. Maybe they're a Game of Thrones fan. And then the cosplay that they've decided on is maybe one of the strapping heroes like Jon Snow. <laughs> When, when their body type probably lends itself better to say Sam or the eunuch, they never think, okay, what am I working with here? That's never the starting point. No, it's never the starting point. Do you think en masse the Scandinavians looked better than the Americans? Yeah. And, you know, they're bilingual and shit. That's always attractive. Taxomake? No, you're not bilingual. Nay? It's not a sexy language. Yes, good day. I didn't say it's not a sing-song sound. I said it's not sexy. Yes, think of some rot piece. Go on. I think of rap piss. piss. Yeah. So you're bilingual too. Oh my gosh. Everyone is these days. If you were Matson saying it to me, and this is including what I know about the blood, it would be sexy. I'll start, shall I? Please. First one comes from Maria. Maria, henceforth, we will refer to you as Twin Cities Tessie. Dear FNN, in case you were wondering what Lucas and Oscar were joking about in Swedish when they learned that Greg is actually cousin Greg, I have something to add. Lucas says the word incest. I didn't get that. I got slecked and when I got tvometer. 
And, two meters. Yeah, a few people wrote in saying they refer to Greg as two meters of nepotism. Right, yeah, yeah. So this is in addition to two meters of nepotism. And Oscar adds something about Habsburg. I think it is safe to conclude that they were referencing the infamous Habsburg jaw. For centuries, the House of Habsburg, for dynastic reasons, decided it was a smart idea to get married to members of their own family. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it, but... There were first cousins getting married, kids from these marriages then marrying each other again, and even nieces marrying uncles. As a result, members of the Habsburg family looked, let's say, not great. The most obvious family trait was that they shared a pronounced jaw. Yeah, keep reading. Mm. Jaw jot. Yeah, but not, you know, it's, what's interesting is if you hear strong jaw. I think Jennifer Aniston. Has a jutting jaw? I would say a strong jaw. A strong jaw is great. I have like a garden gnome-like jaw. That's not true. I look like I'm going to put a a mischievous curse on you. No, I don't think that that's true. But the impression that I get, and then I did some Google imaging, is that this pushed way past pronounced jaw, which, you know, we wouldn't want to shame them for that. But I feel like if you're fucking your family, then we can say whatever we want. And they're not going to come after us. No. But what I mean, if they someone, could haunt us. But what if someone would write in being like, hey, I have a big jaw. You hurt my feelings. Mm. I'd feel bad. Yeah. But I'd also be like, tell your parents to stop fucking their siblings. <laughs> so don't come to me because your parents got some weird shit they didn't get therapy for. Back to the Habsburgs. Mm-hmm. Twin Cities Tessie continues. The guy who became kind of a poster boy was Charles II of Spain. Google that shit. <laughs> His jaw was deformed to such an extent that at one point he could no longer chew his food. just want to point out you would be fine because... You inhale your food. Oh, God, it's terrible. I can't believe how fast it goes down. It, it is so strange, the pace at which I eat. You're and like a I, very powerful vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I can do a full bento box in two minutes. Not a problem. If there's social capital to be gained from chugging food like there is chugging drink, you you would be very high status. Well, this is, you know, there's like these eating contests, but because of my emetophobia. That's, that's quantity, though, as well, isn't it? Speaking of which, I've been thinking about this because we've hit our crowdfunder, so now I have to eat a Percy Pig and a Jaffa cake. And I was really picturing me trying to swallow a Percy Pig, and it made me feel genuine fear. We'll, we'll, we'll get on it with those um, crowdfunder videos. Then. This next one is from Marigold, an old man who fucking hated you. Hey, hey, FCNNC, two things. One, I'm very worried by Roman's pills when they first arrive. What are the writers hinting at? I was asking the same question myself. We, we had a bit in the episode, but there just wasn't time we for it, it. So we wanted to leave plenty of time for the Stewie interview. What I said didn't make my husband's edit. Poor Romy. Someone more eagle-eyed than me noticed that in Norway, he's wearing Logan's power cardigan. This was a big thing people wrote in about. Is it Logan's actual cardigan or is it in the style of? Who knows? But, but. Is he, is he a tribute band? Anyway, throwback to first season when he gets Greg to bring him back one of Logan's jumpers. This is when Logan's at the hospital. Something that smells of him. My heart breaks all over again. And yet amidst all this, the writers never forget to remind us how incredibly self-absorbed the kids are. This week, it was Roman and Ken both completely skipping over the mention from Matson that he found his own father dead in a BMW. The motor's still running. But let's, I just want to say in their defense, that wasn't Matson trying to connect in grief. It was him pulling a dick move to destabilize them. And you sort of saw it as some kind of dead dad top trumps. Yeah. Whereas I don't think Matson necessarily wins dead dad top trumps. Because... Of the freshness? Exactly, yeah. No sorries for Lucas. 
So say that say that is Logan's cardigan. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking. Mm-hmm. I hope your mum lives a long and happy life. Can you imagine after she shuffled off this mortal coil at the age of 108 wearing some of her clothes? <laughs> her therapist wear. Imagine what a nice older lady who is a therapist in an affluent American suburb would wear. And that's what she's wearing. It's, it's exactly, it's and it's exactly what all that. of her friends yeah. are wearing. She's either wearing that or merch from your brother's sandwich van. He sells sandwiches off a van. Yeah. She's either wearing a t-shirt from the van or exactly what you think she'd be wearing yes. as a therapist, but then who also has a passion for traveling to South America <laughs> and buying artisanal goods that, yes, she uh, barters down. This is an old man who fucking hated you's second point. The noise canceling headphones thing from Matson is a glorious borrow from one of my favorite rumors about redacted. What I would say is approximately 10 people wrote to us saying this same fact about redacted. He also apparently vapes at the same time. How do you vape while fucking? Like I would fuck redacted in any capacity, not because I find him attractive, I don't, but it would just be such an interesting experience. You know we made vows to each other. No, I know, but I'm just trying to talk hypothetically. All I'm saying is he's not doing any kind of work because you couldn't with a vape. And even with headphones on. They might be on Bluetooth so he's not get tangled up in a wire. This is 100% true. Finally, an old man who fucking hated you, her third and quick point, she says, the hero of the week, Jess, getting together that cinema screen overnight. Do you think she got a bit overconfident on the plane at the end when she came in and congratulated Kendall and Roman? That moment was showing us something, mm, wasn't it? Mm. But I, I, I wasn't 100% clear on what it was showing us. This next one comes from Josh. Did we decide it was Josh Moritz? Josh was the one who told us about butt mitzvahs. Glorious. Anyway, his name is Disgustabus. Disgustabus says, Dear FNN, regarding last week's question about where are Iverson and Sophie, is it possible that the reason that they haven't appeared is relatively simple? We last saw them in 2021, and the actors will have aged two years, whilst the show's timeline has only moved on a few months at best. Would the actor playing Iverson be a fully-fledged teenager now? Should we look him up? Yeah. Quentin Morales. Probably get on his Insta. Let's see what he really looks like now. These little boys. Quentin Morales. I wonder if he even has an Insta. Maybe his mommy won't allow it. Or his daddy. Or both. I always think people's parents are likely to be divorced. What do you picture? Child actor with a happy family? Come on. (laughs) I didn't even know I thought that. Why is this taking so long? Found him. This has to be him because he's followed by Natalie Gold, who is the actor who plays Rafa. His mom. His mommy follows him on Insta. Well, look, I'm not getting a good look at his face. But yeah, this is a teenager. Now we've got a teenager on our hands. You'd think that a show with succession's budget would pay to put him on puberty blockers. (laughs) Come on, give his body some meds. Okay, this next one is from Sophie. We're just talking about Iverson. Sophie. Sophie, your nickname is Dad's Little Bitch Boy. Hi, Sarah and Jeff. The many modes of transport featured in episode five generated a fierce debate between my husband and I revolving around this question. I fucking love these insights into little people, not little people's, these little insights into other people's marriages. Little people. Who are you on Mount Olympus? (laughs) You're like Matson looking down on them as the little people. No, what's that line from um, the first episode where Colin and Logues are at the diner and he goes, other people are pygmies. Is he a titan? I'm a a giant and other people are pygmies. So I'm a giant and... Sophie and her husband are pygmies. That word feels terrible. No. I think we're learning something about Logan that he would use that word. Sure. Anyway, the question she and her husband are obsessing about 
is, can the Roy kids drive? My husband's view is they can all operate a car. Automatic, not manual. My view, no, they can't. Can Roman and Shiv never learn to drive because it requires a degree of patient graft and subordination of which they are incapable? And of course, when would they need it? Frank once tried to teach Kendall, but gave up after two lessons. I just got chills because I thought about him with him as a little boy and then watching mm. his daddy did. But did he ever get his license? We know from the end of season one that you can't drive whilst drunk and high. Tom once offered to teach Shiv and she punished him in a myriad of ways for the next six months. The exception is Connor, who had a very different sort of upbringing and was more malleable. He sometimes drives around the desert in a desert car or whatever they have out there to feel free. Oh, yeah. But he, he has spent an unnecessary amount of money, I think, on off-road vehicles. Yeah. Maybe agricultural vehicles. Maybe he's tried to drive a combine harvester and it's, it's gone badly for him. And then he had to pay someone to help him. Yeah. But I don't think I have ever met an adult American who can't drive. It is so interesting. Yeah. S- central culturally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the States. It's like your birthright. Yes. But of course, they, they spent a lot of the childhood here, the Roy's. Oh, shit. Well, I think then you're siding with daddy's little bitch boy's husband, Mr. Dad's little bitch boy. I genuinely don't know. It's because the characters are American. It's it's really throwing me. <sighs> okay, listen. Because it's, it's so weird to me that, okay, when I was at school, there might have been one of the sixth formers who somehow had got an old banger and drove to school. But the fact that all these kids are turning up to school in cars in the States... It's so weird. I used to get a ride to school from Becky McEntee. Her mom would let her drive her car around. And her mother's license plate read, just a nurse. Because she was a nurse. What do you think goes on with vanity plates? Anyone with a bumper sticker revolts me. Even if it's like supporting a presidential candidate. (laughs) Look who I am. This is what I think. These are my values. Anyway, dad's little bitch boy. We're on your husband's side and they can all drive. I'm sorry, but I love you for writing in. Fuck off. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This comes from Claire Z. Beefy Logan Voodoo. Longtime listener, longtime contributor. Who says, Dear FC and NC, I have come to rank knitwear. The episode was all my dreams come true. And then um, we have a chart that goes from one to eight. Do you think that Casey Kasem style should be going from eight to one? So there's a tension building to who is going to be number one. Listen, dear beefy looking voodoo, my husband, because he's the captain of the ship, really. And I'm just the cute sidekick. We're going to do what the man says, okay? I don't feel great about that. But for the good of the pod, that's the direction we're going. All right, Top of the Pops. That's a stupid name. The Succession, Season 4, Episode 5, Knitwear Chart. You do not sound like that you actually were a professional DJ for 25 years. <laughs> do it again like you fucking did it for a real fucking they job. They never let me do this kind of thing. Well, this, do this, it. This, show was, people Show people how many strings of, you have in your bow. Do I it. wasn't that type of DJ. Show us who you are. Show okay. us who you were. Come on, baby. Okay, Someone from Radio 2 could be listening. Let's see what you got. Okay, it's the Succession Season 4, Episode 5, Knitwear, Top of the Pops. Who are the jumpers? Whose woolly leggings are sliding down the chart? Let's take a look at number 8. It's a new entry with a Burberry scarf. It's Hugo. I can see why he's at the bottom of the chart. If I was him, I'm not sure a scarf would be the right look. It emphasises the head in a way that maybe isn't useful. But is his head like that because he's sick? That as may be. <laughs> I'm still not sure a scarf is the way to go. And that's why he's at the bottom of the chart, evidently. Okay. Down to 7. Wombsgams, Tom. With a classic black roll net with a brown blazer. Mixing black and brown, it's a no. I sounded it the other day and I thought it looked fine. I, I was very much of the same opinion. I don't even like wearing brown shoes in town. In town? Yeah, they're just for the country. Ugh, I hate the country. <laughs> we know. Ooh. It's a non-mover at six. Greg wearing his awful tartan woolen overcoat. Uh-huh, gross. Climbing to this week's number five in a grey roll neck and lifted blazer, it's Jess. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I also want to say there was another outfit Jess was wearing outdoors. I think maybe during the team building exercises, which was almost Adrian Brody esque in how layered it was. Really, I it was didn't like notice. A, a colourful ski jacket, but there was a lot of stuff going on underneath it. I would like to know: Has anyone listening ever gotten? And I'm this is I'm hitting this with a straight bat. I'm not saying anything is stupid. I really want to know: Have you ever had to do a team building exercise? and gotten something from it. Was the team built? Was the team stronger after you built together? Tell me, I'd love to know. Last week's number one is this week's number three with a grey round neck under a brown blazer. Very nice, but no to the baseball cap. He adds in sheepskin layers when outside. Excellent work. Gilet on the plane home. Versatile layering. It's last week's number one boy, Kendall Roy. Great. And there's a new entry at number two. Not knitwear, but letting her hair down. Amazing suits. Liberated the most by Logan's death and wardrobe is slaying. Jerry Kelman. Woo! Which means it's time to reveal this week's number one. Who is atop the knitwear chart? Who can it be now? We're talking beige roll neck. Looks so soft. Hot. Layers up with brown leather blazer jacket. So, so hot. Ignoring the terrible overcoat. This is her episode. She can do no wrong. She can't dance, but she is at number one on the knitwear chart. It's Pinky Siobhan Roy. That was so thorough, beefy Logan Voodoo. And Jeff, I think you really showed what you can do. So well done to you as well. You know what's going to come out of it? Go on. Career renaissance. (laughs) Okay. 
We have an email from one of our former guests. Oh. Host of The Guilty Feminist, our friend, friend of the pod, friend in the world, Deborah Francis White. Too cool and likable. She requested that. I'm going to give it to her. Dear Normcore and Firecrotch. Thank you. Kendall has changed. He's a free man now following the shock of his father's death. He's introduced in this episode the way he was introduced in the pilot, driving to the office listening to hip hop. But this time, no headphones. He's open and easy. I wonder if Fikret likes the music that Kendall wants to listen to in the car. I'm not sure Fikret does, but what do I know? Often, if you get in an Uber... They're listening to, I don't know, some Turkish radio station and then they feel they have to put capital FM on. And I think, oh, I'd, I'd rather just have the Turkish music. I don't want to disrupt your place of work. I couldn't care less what anyone listens to in an Uber. I just don't want to have a conversation. Also, he called Logan, Logan, when talking to Matson. I believe it's the first time he's not called him dad or my dad in the history of the show. It feels so significant to me that he's out of the shadow of his dad and he's able to see him as the former CEO the way other people do. He also called Shiv Pinky. No one but her father's ever done that. He's not just dethroning Logan. Maybe he's becoming Logan. Now, I'm 100% sure about this Pinky thing. I'm not 100% sure about the Logan situation, but I'll roll with it for now. Oh, I'm, I'm completely on board. I'm not sure how conscious a decision it is. Conscious or un, who but, cares? But the point it, is. It's a definite choice on the show's part, mm-hmm. and it, it's telling us something about Kendall. Maybe next week we'll hear him call Roman Romulus. Speaking of Roman, the pre-grieve was highly unsuccessful. When Connor sent Roman a picture of their father's cadaver, it sent him into the meltdown we saw in front of Matson. I can't help thinking Connor did it on purpose. Kendall asked for the picture, which makes sense. He didn't go to see the body on the plane, which Roman did. But Roman specifically said he didn't want to see it. Why did Connor send it then? It doesn't feel very Connor. I disagree with this point, respectfully. Mm. But I, I feel like... He's just not thinking. It's it's Connor getting himself into a flap, like when he was organising yes. that gala dinner. Connor gets it's... into a flap. That's correct. That feels right to me. Yeah. Too cool and likable. Too cool and likable. I think that's how I'm supposed to say it. Mm. So fascinating that the cruelest thing that Matson can think of doing is giving them more money. Yes, because that, that really robs them of their power. Because everybody around them, from Sandy and Stewie to uh, Frank and Carl, all they care about is the money. And it instantly puts them at odds with everyone on their side of the negotiation. Yes. E- even though there's an argument to say... It's not a good move by Matson because he ends up overpaying for this thing just to get one over on them. So if Matson was answering to anybody, which I don't really think he is, they wouldn't be very happy. Yeah. Great bit of tension. Yeah. Finally, what is up with him and Shiv? Does she fancy him that much? I think so. Does she want a pint of frozen Scandi blood? No. What's her game? I'm not sure. Why does she want dinner with Tom? For power. Because he stood up to her? No, she's not actually attracted to that. I think grief is sending her into a kinky, self-destructive phase. Love, too cool and likable. And this is from Neil. Neil's nickname, I think we've spoken to Neil before, is Lacky Slack. Dear FNN, what do we think is going on with the eponymous kill list at the end of the episode? Just before Jerry reads it, she says Jess managed to get hold of it and Carolina mouths to Jess, you sent this, I think. I didn't notice that, did you? No. Jess looks confused and shakes her head no, uh, and then catches on and nods and looks around shiftily. 
did Jerry and Carolina put the list together or was it written by Shiv? I obviously would never listen to other Succession podcasts, but if I did, I think some of them would put that theory forward. Fuck you, Judas. Is, is this what Swisher's getting into? Swisher, but but maybe some other fucking dog shit thing. I genuinely, what I read from that is that this person listens to every Succession podcast and we're not even special to them and you don't even care. I'm happy to be in an open podcast relationship with our listeners. I think you want to be monogamous then. I know it's unreasonable and I'm I'm so sorry that I expect that and I don't even expect it, but somewhere in me, my body does. I think the list is the real list. Yeah, I think so too. I don't think there's anything sinister about it. I did read that Jason Smith Cameron has been doing the interview round. Yes. And she's talked about how edited this episode was and how a lot of stuff went out of it. And part of that is the different Waystar Royco employees being pitted almost directly against their opposite numbers and things like the sauna you know, the the uh, feat of endurance that is sitting in the heat or in axe throwing or mushroom foraging, I think was one of them that oh I saw. Oh my gosh. So the, there is an idea almost like the kill list was a death match. But even if that's the case, I feel that what the creators decided in the edit is that that scene with Shiv and Matson is really the thing that determined... What the kill list is. Yes. And this also supports your theory that when Miss Preble, if you're nasty, when she mentioned an episode they had to, I've not heard the phrase before, but they had to keep taking it down to the tax, did she say? She did say there's an episode later in the series, which it was just really difficult to make the pieces fit together. And you had thought it might be this one. And it feels like Jay Smith is confirming that idea. But she used a phrase like we had to keep taking it down to the tax. Yeah, it must be a, a writing room expression. Oh. Love these little insights. You, know, you were saying you want the two-hour cut of the siblings on the boat. So badly. I think you'd be disappointed with it. Why? Because what it isn't is is like watching a perfectly crafted rehearsed play. Right. It's, it's the thing that they edited down from. And anything you edit down from, hopefully, you're hacking away to get the most perfect version. Hold on, let me think about what this... Qu- but what, 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 what? The reason I've thought so much about how much I want to see it is that Lucy... Lucy feels too like I'm trying, and Miss Preble feels too strange. Lucy Preble, first and last. Lucy Preble was saying that she really misses. She says something like these luxurious pauses. So that's what made me Uh think, oh, I want to be able to miss it. Dear Lucy, though, this is my real question. Dear Lucy, I'm just thinking if Dear Lucy needs a different sort of um, energy to Dear Jesse. I mean, not that Jesse Armstrong would ever hear it, but do you, do you not think he would feel sad if you were just doing the same thing for Lucy? I think he's had enough accolades. He doesn't need Dear Jesse to be only for him. <laughs> I want all my Emmys and Dear Jesse just for me. <laughs> Dear Lucy, when you look at deleted scenes, what it feel like? Oh, look at my beautiful darling. Also, like genuinely, where do you shop for clothes? And like, are you going like high street or vintage or like a little bit of both? Or are you sort of not that into clothes because words are your artistry? Thank you. Why don't we do a clothes shop? You can come over. Dear Lucy, (laughs) do you want to order takeaway and hang out in my house and go through my closet and see if there are any pieces that aren't suiting me but might be nice for your figure? And then afterwards, we could sit on the sofa and watch the film Sisters starring Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. No, you'd watch the long cut of episode three. No, I think she needs to feel that she exists independently. Yes, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Also, we could watch Girl's Trip, which is like actually really, really funny. <laughs> 
like some some like genuinely good comedic performances that I I think can go toe to toe with some of what happens in Bridesmaids, and I do not mean to be comparing to comedic works starring exclusively women, but we understand sometimes this is how our brains like to organize things. Do you think you'd be able to relax though? Wouldn't you just be looking to see if Lucy was finding say that pissing scene as funny as you do? You know what you can't do socially with someone is bring them into the house first thing. You can't. It's too crazy. Mm-hmm. Come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> you come over to my house sometime. Anyway, that was from Neil, aka Blacky Slack. Thanks for writing in. I understand I have to share you with others, but genuinely, one of my mom's bits of parenting philosophy was that um, I, I wasn't taught to share. And so I struggled to share food and you with other podcasts, but I get it. You struggle to share your time with other people. I struggle to share my time. I'm a bad. Well. <gasps> Well, wait, what's, what did she say? She goes, well, it's official. <laughs> I can't have kids. That is a very up-to-date reference from Rachel Dratch on Saturday Night Live playing a character named Debbie Downer. Well, it's official. I can't have kids. Wah, wah. It's really funny. I have to go. Send us your thoughts, please. Fuck off at firecratchandnormcore.com. Friday sprinkles, by the way, will likely be Saturday sprinkles next week because we're going on this mini break. And Sarah will be wearing that bathing costume that you paid for via the crowdfunder. And she'll also be paying the piper. You'll get your video of the Percy Pig and the Jaffa Cake. But I won't take photos of me in the bathing suit because um, all bodies are beautiful except for mine. (laughs) The next episode of Succession is called Living Plus. And it's a plus like a plus symbol. God, I love these titles. It's written by Georgia Pritchett, who we know is very funny, and Will Arbery, who was credited as a consultant on the third series, has been a producer on this season. I think this is his first writer credit, and he is a playwright handpicked by Frank Rich, who we don't talk about enough. We'll be back with a brand new episode after Killing Plus. Do you want to see them off? Show them to the door and show them out. Hey, get out of my house now. (laughs) It was so nice having you, but Lucy's coming over. (laughs) We're going to watch Girls Trip and try on clothes. I don't have enough hair to braid. What am I, Carrie? Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.